Good morning, Aldersgate. Welcome to 930 Service Contemporary. Uh, welcome to those who are tuning in online. We have a few members gone today. Erica's running the Prairie Fire. I don't know which race, but she's running. Tara's out of town. Nicole's back there hanging out. So you're stuck with me. All right, please stand for our first song, House of the Lord. Be quiet. We 
sing glorious day.
Thank you to our blended worship team. You could have been running down at the marathon. And I have. Have you really? I've walked. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to Aldersgate United Methodist Church. We are glad that you are here. There are people here in the room, and there are people who are joining us on the live stream. A welcome to all of you. Uh, Today, we continue our series of what if... Jesus really meant what he said, and today it's about loving our neighbors, so you'll get some of those uh, components throughout the service, and um, a part of that is the three-by-five card that you received when you came in. If you didn't, I've got some extras, and we're going to use this during the prayer time, and what we'd like to do is invite you to practice neighboring. Uh, If you'd like to, if you'd rather not, that's cool too. But you can write your name on there and maybe a prayer concern that you'd like your neighbor to pray for you and then find someone you don't know or you don't know that well and we'll give you an opportunity to get up and go give it to them. And so we'll have a little chaos time during the prayer, but it's one way we can practice being uh, uh, neighborly to our own community right here in this room. We also have uh, flowers this morning uh, placed in loving memory of Joyce Johnson. Joyce and Russell always have attended the 930 service, and Joyce had passed away, and services in her honor were held on Thursday. And so we thank the family for sharing these beautiful flowers with us this morning. I hope that you'll take time to read in the bulletin about all the activities that are possible here in the church. And maybe if you uh, are at the grocery store and buying some candy uh, and got some extra candy that you would donate for the trunk or treat coming up on the last Sunday of the month, um, feel free to do that. Right now, I invite you to turn and greet your neighbor in Christian love. If you don't know someone, ask their name and tell them yours.
All right, you may be seated. I'll talk just a little bit more about some uh, stuff that's going on as a part of our stewardship moment this morning. The United Women in Faith are collecting uh, blankets. October is Blanket Month, and it's our mission collection for this month. And if you uh, would like to donate a, a blanket, we had a movie on the lawn last night. I almost just came inside and got this one to keep warm. But uh, they will be donated to uh, um, Open Door Ministries and New Covenant Ministries. Also, there have been people who have expressed an interest in uh, giving through the church to help in hurricane relief. And you're invited to do that. I'm proud to say that our United Methodist Committee on Relief is already in Florida and other areas hard hit. And they are working there to alleviate suffering. And one of the hallmark uh, um, pieces of the United Methodist Committee on Relief is that they often stay in an area long after other helping agencies have moved on. So we can be very proud of that. And through the monies that uh, we give uh, on, on UMCOR Sunday uh, to support UMCOR, when there's a special offering, 100% of your donation goes to help the cause. So if you would like to donate, just simply make a check out to Aldersgate uh, or mark your gift, Hurricane, and it will go to uh, that place. The Missions Committee has uh, made a decision. I hope this is right, Gwen. Okay, all right, it was affirmative, and they've voted to uh, uh, send $1,000 of uh, monies that they've had on reserve to help uh, prime the pump for our relief effort. So if you'd like to join in, that's our uh, second mile giving for today. This time we'll invite the ushers to come forward for our usual and regular morning offering. Let us sing, I Surrender. Stretched wide, I know you hear. 
We do want to know more about God in Christ. Our scripture lessons this morning will help us do that. The first two come from the Old Testament law. The first one from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it is one of the classic texts that the Hebrew people loved, and it begins in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. 
Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The second text from the Old Testament law is from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 18. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then verse 18, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And I invite you to stand for uh, this episode from Mark chapter 12, in which we revisit uh, these two texts in an experience that Jesus had from uh, chapter 12 of Mark, beginning in verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment? is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might and with all your soul and with all your mind. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask Jesus another question. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen. Friends, let us join our hearts in prayer. Gracious God, you are the one who says that we belong to you. So as we gather this morning, would you open our ears, our eyes, and even our hearts that we might hear what you are wanting to say in this place. Amen. Well, like uh, Pastor Gary said just a bit ago, we are continuing today with our sermon series, what if Jesus really meant what he said? And for those who might not have been here for the past two weeks, this is a sermon series where we are looking at some of the most famous sayings of Jesus and asking ourselves the all-important question, what about our life might change if we took it seriously? Because, of course, it is one thing to know what Jesus says, but it's quite another thing to let the teachings of Jesus challenge us, and shape us. And this is part of who we want to be as people of Aldersgate. We want to be people who let and invite the teachings of Jesus to 
challenge us at times and to transform us. This is part of what it means in the uh, words of the song that we just sang, to surrender ourselves to God and to let God have his way with us. We have to not only hear, but we have to listen. And so today we're continuing and we're asking ourselves, what if Jesus really meant love your neighbor? If Jesus really meant that, what would be different about the way we lived and about the way that we treated one another? Now for the past two weeks we've been looking at parables of uh, Jesus. This is the most common way that he taught. Uh, he taught in these short little s stories with a double meaning that were designed to make a point. But for today's lesson, we are shifting away from the parables for a moment, and, and we're looking at a time when Jesus is responding to some questions from the religious leaders of the day. Now, if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus often received a lot of questions from the religious authorities. They often didn't like him because he was challenging them, and so he would often get all of these questions, and these questions were designed most oftentimes to test him, uh, to see if he really knew what he was talking about, or to try to catch him saying something that they didn't like so they could discredit him. And if you look at the Gospels, this happens a lot. It's almost as common as the parables themselves, Jesus responding to these kind of antagonistic questions. And it's in his answers to these questions that some of his most profound teachings come. So when we come to the Gospel in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is being hounded by all kinds of hard and difficult questions. The Pharisees, the Sadducees are coming to him, trying to test him. And one of those leaders, a scribe, comes up to Jesus and asks yet another question. But the thing about the question that the scribe asks is that it's actually a question that would have been very easy for Jesus to answer. It's a very simple question. Because the scribe comes up to Jesus and asks, Teacher, which commandment is the first of all? Now both Jesus and the scribe would have known there's only one right answer to that question. For the Jewish people, the most famous and important law was called the Shema. And the Shema was the first text that Pastor Gary read. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the Shema does not say, love your neighbor as yourself. The Shema, which was the most central and foundational law for the Hebrew people, said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This was the first and greatest commandment, love God. And Jesus knew this, and the scribe knew this, so it is expected that Jesus responds with the Shema. What's not expected, though, is that Jesus doesn't stop there. Because if you notice, the scribe only asked Jesus for one law, the first. But after Jesus quotes the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he continues without even skipping a beat. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the thing about that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, is that Jesus didn't come up with it. It wasn't his idea. In fact, just as Jesus quotes from the Shema, from the book of Deuteronomy, love your neighbor is also a quote 
from that second passage we read, from Leviticus 19.18. So what I hope you can begin to see what Jesus is doing is he is elevating this particular law, this love your neighbor as yourself. He's picking it out out of all 613 commands in the Old Testament, and he's saying this law, this particular one, is just as important as the first and the greatest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's saying if you want to know what the teachings of God are all about, pay attention to these two. Love God, but also don't forget to love your neighbor. All of the law is encapsulated in these two commandments. So if Jesus lifts it up as the second greatest commandment out of all 613, I think we ought to pay attention. Now sometimes uh, I think we are quick to universalize the idea of neighbor to say it, it, it means everybody, right? God calls us to love everyone. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But it's also important for us to remember that when it comes to the Old Testament, the idea of neighbor was actually reserved only for other members of the Hebrew community. It was not a universal term that applied to everybody. Now, there were other laws that talked about how you should love the uh, foreigner and the outcast. It's not that this wasn't important to the Hebrew people, but this particular command, love your neighbor as yourself, was talking about the special obligation that members of the Israelite community had to each other. In Leviticus 19, the verse that Jesus quotes in Mark, it kind of hints at this narrower interpretation of neighbor when it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. Remember that the book of Leviticus was not a book for other people or other nations. It was a book designed for a specific people group with rules and laws to govern and guide the life of that common community. So when it says you shall not bear a grudge against any of your people, it's talking about your fellow Hebrew. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you might be asking the question, why are we talking so much about Leviticus 19? I thought this was going to be a sermon about Jesus. It's a good question. But it's important that we pause here for a moment. Because when we're talking about Leviticus 19, when we're looking about what that command originally meant when Jesus quotes it, it reminds us that neighborly love begins in the pews. Loving our neighbor as ourself begins right here. Some of you might remember last year in 2021, we did a whole sermon series on neighboring. And this sermon series was designed to, to, to get us to talk about what it means to love our actual, literal neighbors, the people who live right next door to us. Uh, I, well, me and the neighboring team spent nine months diving into this, exploring and practicing different ways that we could love our neighbor. A lot of us here participated in the small groups, and perhaps you remember some of those sermons, but it was a whole series about loving our actual neighbors. And I remember when we were done with that experiment, the neighboring team and I got together and we asked ourselves the question, what did we learn? 
And one of the reflections that we had was that our church is big enough that we kind of operate like a neighborhood in ourselves. There's a lot of people here. And more often than not, we don't know our neighbors very well. Now, we have about 1,200 members here at Aldersgate, and on a typical Sunday, about 450 people divided between three different services. That's a lot of neighbors to know. And at a, a large church like ours, with a lot of people and a lot of activities, it is unlikely that you are going to know every single person here. In fact, I will admit to you, even after being here for over two years, there's a lot of you that I'm still getting to know. But if Jesus really meant love your neighbor, I think it has to start with us. For how can we love others if we cannot even love ourselves? This morning we have some new members who are joining the church at the 11 o'clock service. Their names are Christina and Paula. And one of the things that I love so much about when new people join the church is we have a congregational commitment that we all say together. And when we say this commitment, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of our covenant and our commitment to love and support each other. We remind ourselves of our commitment to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, friends, this is part of what it means to be part of the community of faith. It's, it's, it's a law, it's a commandment. Go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19 to have love and care for one another. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends with every person here at Aldersgate. There's so many of us, you're, you won't get to know everybody. But it does mean that we are called to love. It does mean that we are called to act in good and right ways towards each other. It does mean that we are called to ask a name when we don't know it, to say a prayer when we know that it is a need, to realize and recognize that everybody in these pews, everybody in this community has valuable gifts given to them by God. And when we offer those gifts to the community, the church grows and is better for it. It was really cool, actually, after the 8 o'clock service today. Um, Mark Morell, I saw him coming back into the church afterwards with a basket full of tomatoes. I said, Mark, what are you doing with this basket full of tomatoes? And he, ha he uh, told me uh, he has about five acres of land, and he loves to garden. And he grows all kinds of things. And Mark decided today of all days to bring a basket of these fresh tomatoes to give out. And so I got to learn that Mark has the gift of gardening. And so now I have some tomatoes that I'm going to take home and eat this afternoon. And now Mark and I are more neighbors to each other because I know a little bit about Mark. And I know his gifts. And he got to share them with me. This is part of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. To know and to love the people in the pews. But even if neighborly love begins in the pews, of course we know that it doesn't end there. Now this is where we're going to get back to Jesus. Because part of the power of what Jesus does through his life and his teachings is he begins to expand the definition of who counts as a neighbor. Back in the Old Testament, it really just referred to the people of the faith community. But Jesus begins to widen 
the circle. He not only lifts up the love your neighbor command as the second most commandment of them all, but he says that the definition of neighbor includes more than just those who share the same faith as you. Last week, Pastor Gary preached on uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is a wonderful and beautiful text. Could have worked really good for today as well. Because in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus reveals that neighborly love sometimes is not shared between the people in the pews. Because remember, it's the Levite and the priest, the Jewish leaders who turn the other way and don't show love. The person who does show neighborly love is the person of the different community, the Samaritan, the one who is different, the one who is outcast. See, if you read the Gospels, you'll see over and over again, Jesus renegotiates the definition of neighbor by widening that circle of who is included in God's family. And it's not just limited to the Hebrew children. But Jesus opens it up to people of all ages, all nations, and all races. And this is why Jesus comes. This is what he teaches. Now, we live in a globalized and interconnected world. And it is becoming increasingly apparent that in so many ways, we all live in the same neighborhood. Our world economy, our political alliances the common threats to our humanity, all of these make this giant and beautiful world that we live in a whole lot smaller. Now, I don't want to be too doom and gloom this morning, but if you have been watching the news this week, you'll know that one of the headlines is asking if Putin is going to use a nuclear bomb in Ukraine. And I don't think that'll happen. I hope that doesn't happen. I pray that a nuclear bomb in the Ukraine doesn't happen because a nuclear war would impact all of humanity. When we think about our actions, our decisions, in so many ways, our actions have the ability to impact people all over this creation. And the devastation of a nuclear war It would not matter if we were in the United States or in the Ukraine. We are all part of the same neighborhood. We would all feel that the same. We're all part of the same human family. We are all part of the family that God loves. So if Jesus really meant what he said when he said, love your neighbor, I have to imagine it means more than just loving your neighbor in the pews. But that love that we share for one another has to send us out to discover that we can find neighbors everywhere, in the grocery store, in the neighbor next door, in the person in the Ukraine, because Jesus expands the definition of who is my neighbor. Now, if the thought of having neighborly love for everybody from the person sitting next to you in the pew to somebody across the ocean feels overwhelming and paralyzing. You're not alone in that. Sometimes we allow the concept of neighbor to get so big and so abstract, it comes to mean nothing. Love everybody can actually just mean love nobody. But when it feels overwhelming to truly love your neighbor as yourself, 
let us remember that Jesus himself shows us what it means to love our neighbor because he became our neighbor. This is the beauty of the incarnation, friends. Jesus is not from our zip code. His is way up there. But out of God's love, Jesus moved into our neighborhood, came close to us, even taking on flesh so that we would know what it means practically, tangibly, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus shows us that it looks like having solidarity with the poor, even if you're not poor yourself. He shows us that it looks like seeing people for who they are, not for what they've done. He shows us it looks like having compassion for pain, for listening, for holding hope that God isn't finished with us yet. If you read the teachings of Jesus, this is what he came to show us. He models the way. And if we can do these things with the help of God, we too will not be far from the kingdom of God. So when loving your neighbor feels hard, let us give thanks that Jesus shows us the way. Let us let the words of Jesus challenge us and let us allow Jesus' neighborly love to transform us that we too might love our neighbor as ourselves. So how will you love a neighbor this week? I hope you'll think about that as you go from this place. If you don't know where to start, I suggest beginning with your neighbor in the pew. There's a pretty good chance they're going to be nice to you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks be to God. I've got my three by five card and I've written my name on it. And uh, I hope to give it to one of you and invite you to... Uh, uh, pray for me over the coming week. If you would like to participate with this, uh, take your 3 by 5 card, just write your name on it, and then uh, we'll have a moment of chaos, uh, and uh, we'll uh, exchange them, and, and then I put a couple of prayer requests on there uh, and invite uh, you to pray. So that way we can introduce ourselves to uh, someone else in the room that you might not know. Would you say that they're probably, they probably will be nice to us? There's a pretty good chance that whoever you talk to will be nice to you. <laughs> well, I would think so. Yeah, you all look pretty nice. So if you'd like to participate in this, you don't have to. It's, it's all well. And then I will walk the aisles and we'll take some time to hear prayer requests and respond. Hear our prayer, O oh Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All right, let's do it.
come along, and if you have prayer requests, please feel free to speak them. I'd like for you to pray for Melanie uh, Mackley is usually in this service, and her brother Daniel is in intensive care in Reno, Nevada. So I'd like to invite you to pray for Daniel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Judy Luckert, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Virginia Stillwell. Virginia Stillwell, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Matt Marin. He's out of the hospital, right? But uh, he's recovering. Matt Marin, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Terry Pogue, who often is in this service, uh, will be going to Mayo. Uh, tomorrow for a week of, of tests and procedures. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My dad starts cancer treatment tomorrow. Dad died in Atlanta, triple bypass on Wednesday. Wow. Okay. For a dad who has uh, issues and a neighbor who has triple bypass surgery, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Anita Chartier, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Jen Duty and family and the loss of her brother. Jen Duty and family and the loss of her brother, Joe Brown. And, you know, um, I helped with that service yesterday. And one of the things we talked about is everyone needs to care for themselves. Our, our mental health is so important. Joe, in a dark night of the soul, uh, took his life. And so we invited everyone there to care for themselves. I invite you to care for yourself and, and to see yourself as an important child of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Alex has been waiting several years for a kidney and got one this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Wow. Okay, Leon, we wish you well as you get knee replacement uh, tomorrow. And uh, we'll invite you to our next soccer game. Leon Albert, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Heavenly Father, there are so many needs that are ever before us, and we sometimes can be overwhelmed by them and, and not, uh, not know how to respond. And sometimes we throw our hands up and say, is life worth living? Lord, I pray that you would care for your flock who is here in the pews today. We want to be good neighbors. And help us as we also love ourselves so that we will have the capacity to love others. Forgive us of any sins, those things which haunt us, the brokenness that is in our families 
and the challenges that are in our society. Lord, as we seek to weather the storms of life, we look to you for guidance and for comfort. We pray these things now in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would, please stand for our closing song this morning, Made New.
Amen. <laughs> I see. Time out. Time out. Oh, goodness. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. Hey, Maddie. Hello. Okay, so most of you might not know this, but this week is Pastor's Appreciation Week. Okay, then Gary, so you got to get Gary, up here, too. Come on. Maria, I see you back there. Uh, don't come hide on from us. My, my, my. Okay. <laughs> so, to our pastors, you lead our congregation by opening God's words, and then you live your life reflecting all we've heard. You care for others deeply and lift them up in prayers. And when we face misfortune, we know that you'll be there. We really love you, pastors, for everything you do. And we thank God for giving us pastors like you. You fill our cups, so we wanted to fill yours. We appreciate you all so much. And we thank you. Wow. Yeah. So. So, ki youth, kids, come up to the front. Yeah. Oh. Daniel, Gary. Oh, yes. Yes. Ooh, I'm going to get some of this right here. Oh, look. Wow. Ooh. Nice. We're going to the next service. <laughs> oh, man. This is something else. I'll tell you what. Oh. Oh, gosh. They keep coming. I'm glad we have so many kids. We get a lot of stuff. I love it. <laughs> in a fun, kind of Halloween candish way. <laughs> I, I am set for But Halloween. I think you are set, so. Wow, our cup runs over. over. There Thanks you go. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, friends, I think I can speak on behalf of all three of us when I say we are blessed and happy to serve this church. And, and it's not because of the building or anything like this. It's because of you. So thank you for being the church. It is, it is such a joy to get to do this alongside you. So as you go from this place, may you go knowing that the neighboring love of Christ has come near to you. 
and go forth from this place to let your light shine and to season the world with the flavor of God's love. Go in peace. Amen. One, two, three, four.